You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from Wow Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 9th of November. And with me, same as usual, I've got Joe from World of Manicus as well as with Totem and Enrique back from Spooncraft. Welcome back, boys. Thank you. How's everybody doing this evening? I have tequila. I'm good. I have tequila, but only because I had to. Just to let people know in the uh, who are listening... If I sound a little different than normal tonight, it's because I managed to somehow, I'm assuming, dislocate or pop my jaw on the left side. I was twittering about it this afternoon when it happened. And it, and from biting into a piece of fucking bread, bread for Christ's sakes, but it was like crusty French bread. And I took a bite and literally the left side of my jaw just popped really, really loudly. And it hurt a lot. So I'm on my third margarita and that appears to be helping the most. So it should, it should be an interesting show to say the least. Yeah, laugh it up, fuck nuts. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's been my day. But uh, moving right along from that, how are you doing, Rick? I'm doing good. Better than me, apparently. I'm sorry. I'm trying so hard to like stifle the the fellatio jokes, but it's like between Twitter, between the fact that you keep talking about the salt from the margarita on your lips, and then you're making that sucking, slapping kind of sound. Dude, if it could reach, I would never leave the house. <laughs> for Christ's sakes, let's be honest here. And and for the folks in the live audience, see, look at there's salt on my drink. See. Look at that's I'm gonna be licking my lips a hell of a lot during the show is all I'm saying. Moving right along into actual gaming news, however, <laughs> just so that we can get past this. Um one of the interesting things to start off with is I was checking out, I don't know if you guys checked this out. We talked about it before how I think that a lot of um gaming companies have to or not just gaming companies, but especially MMOs have to get into the habit of really using the internet to their advantage in terms of not just websites but also especially iPhone apps simply because of how much the um, how much more you can do with the iPhone in terms of keeping your community your 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 player base interested in what it is that you're doing and and we saw some of that with um, with ION, however, we only saw it in Korean. It's not like they actually gave us an English app that we could use, but you saw the potential yeah. behind it. And now Fallen Earth has done this, and now the app is not out yet, but it will be shortly. Now, what they've actually done, and again, just to prove that a it can be done and it should be done, they're actually putting in um, chat functions so that when you're at work, you can be chatting with your guildies, you can be doing random chatting, whatever. And they're putting a lot of information in the app that you'll be able to then use so that you are always connected to that game kind of thing. And that app should be coming out in uh, first quarter next year. I don't know if you guys got a chance to read the, the post about that. 
looked over it a little bit, and like you said, it's it's a really good um, show of how these games are starting to really push into a multimedia format, and that is really fucking disturbing, dude. Please take that off. What did I do? Oh, the delay you're, you're, when you're speaking the camera. Oh, sir. <clears throat> But it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I can't. <laughs> it's like the delay kicks in just as as he says. As there's a pause in silence, the camera looks like Raj. You look dead set in the camera, start like licking your lips. <laughs> Joe just got shunted. Man, he just got stomped. <laughs> That's it. Denied. No more comment for you. Oh man, I'm done. <laughs> Okay, moving on from that then, <laughs> because again, it's something that's interesting. There, there's really not that much to discuss about it. Simply the fact that it is something that they're obviously seeing that we are going to need more of. It's something that is, I don't want to say that's required, but you know, pretty soon it will be damn near required. It is. It's something that a, a player base now requires a lot more with. Um, with regards to staying connected to their game than before. So again, we saw some of that with Ion. We saw some of that with Ion in terms of what they did with their their site. However, we are seeing now a, a much larger scope of what can be done, especially with the iPhone app with this, this here. It'll be interesting to see um, just how far they can take it and then what the other... MMOs are going to do to try to match it like I mean if we're looking at something like the Star Trek online or the Star Wars uh, the Old Republic games can you imagine if they also implement iPhone apps that give you the same level of integration with the game that you can then take with you when you're playing I like it would be absolutely fantastic you know the one thing that kind of strikes me when I first when you first uh, mentioned that and I, I read the little article it the first thing that popped in mind you know why hasn't Blizzard done this first, you know, why isn't there like a wowhead.com, like, you know, that, that, why isn't there a database, you know, kind of app for wow, there, you know, there they're is. the biggest ones out there, right? There, there was, and there is, and there has been, um, like an prob- official one there, well, they do kind of have it built into the armory app. There is a, a treasure chest. There is the wowhead items list that you can go ahead and take a look at where items are from and compare items and do it that way. Um, the armory app is actually a really good case for this too, because you start seeing blizzard put out like the armory app and there is plans to do like a, um, a standalone database for it as well. Um, like we used to have in the, the free apps, um, Ion had the, the the power wiki that was its own little app. I think we're going to see it more and more just because it is a it is a very useful tool that a lot of gamers do have. But see what uh, I'm talking about more, not to cut you off there, but what I'm talking about more too is giving you an app that gives you a lot more integration, live integration, not just um, database. A database exactly. Yeah. So, so something like here chat, with the, you know? the chat function is fantastic. Now, we got to see some of that with the WoW app that allows you to do the calendaring. But, I mean, mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. Well, we'll see where they take it to the next level with all these other companies. I mean, honestly, the bar is being raised every single time. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, again, moving on from there, we mentioned Star Trek Online. The release date has been confirmed as February 2nd of 2010, and as Rick was saying earlier, too, it has actually gone gold. This is really interesting because I didn't think that it was going to be out that soon. Like, I knew from the talk and the fact that they're in beta right now that it would be, you know, 
probably first quarter, but it's maybe second. But I mean, February 2nd, that's coming around damn fast. Well, let's hope that they don't end up doing a pushback because, like you said, that is pretty fast. You know, so you're going to send out a game that's not too polished, but they, they can send out a piece of crap and the hardcore Trekkies will get it anyway. You know, gold, gold pretty much just means that it's ready to be launched. That, that's all that really when when a game says it's gone gold, it means that we can put it out tomorrow and there's a couple of bugs and that's it. Gold just means that they're in their final builds. Yeah. And something that also came out in regards to the Star Trek Online is that they're planning on receding, um, on sending out content in terms of episode, epi- oh my god, this is going to happen a lot tonight, episodic, episodic content, wherein there's going to be chains of quests that are going to be, have the feeling of you playing through an episode. And they're talking, they've already got three seasons that are going to be ready for launch, wherein each season is going to be 14 episodes. And the, the, the episodes aren't going to be linear you don't have to complete a to do you know d and c although there's going to be some that are going to be story arcs across a couple of um of of episodes kind of thing you'll have for that little chain of quests this to me is actually very very interesting in that it's a whole different mentality to leveling and questing in a game that we really haven't seen well, and, and that's something we've been asking for, too, though, in a way. I mean, we've been looking for these these epic quest chains that really immerse you into the story and the world. And, I mean, for Star Trek, what better way to do it than have you play through an episode, you know? I mean, have it have its own little title that flashes up at the top of the screen and have you go to town. And I mean, not I, think just that. I think it's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then when you think about what they're saying, we're in some of the earlier episodes. Yes, they will be very interesting and very... They'll, ha- they'll be epic in nature to a certain degree. However, as you progress through, we'll really get to feel much more epic in nature, much more in-depth, putting you in a lot more danger, in a lot deeper quest lines kind of thing, um, wherein you're going to be seeing some of the same characters progress through and whatnot. Like, th- the potential is there to really put something out that's unique and really captivates you and is something that you can do also in... You know, half hour segments, even if you can't complete the full episode in one shot, you just go back to it later and you don't have to start from scratch. Like there's there's a, a lot of potential. You know, now that you mentioned that way, though, I, I don't I don't mean to cut off Joe, but that's now that I kind of look at it as big as a star as a Star Trek uh, universe is. I mean, that may be the only way to have any kind of sense game design wise. I mean, you can get lost very, very easily in that kind of a universe. There's so much crap going on. So maybe this this is how they're kind of coping with that, making it transition into something on a smaller scale like an MMO. Because, you know, let's face it, the whole Star Trek universe, Star Wars universe is massive, massive content. You got to shrink it down to something we can actually handle. And that that's interesting because that'll tie in with the, the later feature that I did about uh, Eve is that was one of the main complaints that people had about Eve. It was too big of a universe. There was, you know, it was so easy to get lost and not know what you were doing. And then in order to take that same type of environment where you can have as, as large a universe as you want, but still have it in bite-sized pieces for your gamers, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, no, it's a, again, it's, it's a very, in my opinion, quite a unique way of setting it up where the questing is what's important. Getting through those episodes is going to be what's important, which is going to prevent you from doing the same thing over and over and over again because you're not just grinding out a level. You're grinding out a season 
So because of that, you're going to have a lot of different things to do. The thing that, that remains to be seen is just how long it's going to take for you to get through the entire season. Yeah, they're talking about, you know, one episode can take you the 45 minutes to an hour kind of thing if you're powering through. So how long is it going to take for people to rip through all of these seasons? Now, yes, they're talking about reintroducing new ones and all that, but you'd have to hope that there are still a lot of side quests available as well. And this is mainly just the campaign kind of thing so that you have opportunities to keep yourself busy, essentially. Another thing that interested me about it, and I don't know if you were, uh, if you were reading this through as, as well, but I mean, the... The episodes, the, these quests are going to make you use all of your skills too, um, your tactician, your, your ability to make tactical decisions, uh, your character's diplomatic abilities, as well as the fighting ability of, of your characters. It's forcing you to basically use the character as an all-out tool, as opposed to like traditional MMOs, which is like, oh, okay, go kill ten of these, and you just go brute force it or go talk to this guy. There's no finesse to it. Now it's going to take a little bit of finesse, um, and you're going to get to use a lot more than just clicking on one thing and watching it blow the fuck up. Yeah, very cool. Moving on from the obvious Star Trek to Star Wars, the old, the old Republic. I finally got to watch that PAX video that you had been talking about. The, oh, God. Like 42 long minutes video. long, but so worth it. I mean, I was sitting down with... Um, with my youngest watching this. Now, my youngest is actually a huge Star Wars fan, much more than me even. And, um, and it was... It was funny because I'm I'm watching this and I'm thinking, this is everything we've been talking about on the podcast since we started. This is it. Now, I again, I'm really not a huge Star Wars fan. I, I mean, I enjoyed the movies, but if I never see the movies again, I'm all right with that. I, I wish that this sort of immersion could have been done with a brand new IP, something completely different that you can sink your teeth in. Although I can appreciate yeah. how this makes it a lot easier simply because there's the funding behind it because of the name. It's easier to do it as immersive, immersive as it is simply because they know the audience will be there one way or another. But I mean, I'm, we're buying this. My son and I have discussed it. We're buying two copies so that we can play together. And it's everything that I want in a game. It's the 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 choices make a difference. It's it's the voice acting for every single quest. It's it's <laughs> the choices that you make have an impact on your quest lines from then on. It's absolutely amazing. I'm really excited about this. Like probably more so than Star Trek at this point, basically because of that 42-minute video I sent you guys. That, I mean, uh, beyond everything else, beyond the questing features, beyond the classes, beyond the voice acting, they're also doing something different than any other MMO there is doing right now, and that's ranged combat. Ranged combat is actually um, <laughs> looked at in this game, and they're doing it so that it's it doesn't feel like I'm just shooting, watching an arrow go, impossible angles following my mob. It's you can dodge, you can dive, you can duck, you can weave. Um, and it's dodge. interesting to me. Yeah, yes, the, the five dodges of Star Wars. <laughs> I was say, okay. Um, but what's interesting to me about that is we were all making bets about this with my gaming group of what was going to be the first game to do it. Was it going to be Star Wars or was it going to be Warhammer 40K? Because there was talks about that becoming an MMO as well down the road. Mm. So, well, And I'm happy to say that Star Wars beat him to the punch and it looks fantastic. The only big yeah. question now too is going to be when are they going to release it? Because if they release it too close to Cataclysm, Cataclysm will severely 
hurt their sales. So how close is this to done? I mean, how close are you guessing this to be done? They're slowly introducing the different classes, like they just announced the news class is the Imperial Agent, which is more of a rogue-style class, which <laughs> really interests me. It looks fantastic. And so, I mean, when you're looking at it, are they that close that they'll be able to release it before Cataclysm and snag some of that audience? I, I don't think I, it'll hurt Cataclysm. Sorry, I, I don't think it'll no, actually, if, if Cataclysm comes out at the same time, I don't think it'll hurt them at all. I mean, we got to remember Star Wars. I mean, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm not a fanatic, but I'm a fan. Like the last Star Wars game I played was, was KOTOR, and I didn't even play the sequel to that. And it's a great game, and Bioware is an amazing you know company i mean they they pump out gold they're good with what they do so star wars got a huge following if anything if i was blizzard i would kind of be like well shit let me not release cataclysm when i real when they release star wars because if not then it's gonna crap all over cataclysm you know what i'm saying and i'm inclined to agree with with rick there i think that it's going to be more along the lines of i think blizzard's going to wait to see when star wars is going to drop if anything else because if they're following the same thing we are, I mean, Blizzard can drop it at any point in time. They know they're going to get the people that upgrade their accounts. It's not a big deal. But I think they're going to wait to see how much uh, the Star Wars makes an impact personally. That's what I think. Um, but also I think that for all we're seeing for it, I'm fairly confident that this thing is pretty close to being ready to drop. I mean, I'm did hoping... you see the no, no, go ahead. I'm sorry, sorry. No, I was just saying I'm really hoping, man, because we all – and even Roger's like this is literally – after watching that video too, everything we wanted, man, but I'm really hoping that this isn't just a case of hype because Ion was hyped to a degree and look what happened. You know what I'm saying? Well, to that I'm going to have to say Bioware. I mean when is the last time Bioware has made a promise to us that they haven't really kept fully? And true, when is the last true. time that Bioware has presented us – video in such depth and characters in such depth and things ready to go fully rendered if they weren't ready to release it so that's what i'm thinking i'm like i'm looking back at their past catalogs and it's like every time i've heard about a bioware game it's pretty close to being ready to drop as soon as they start pushing for it let's hope it drops soon then because man i i i, <laughs> I didn't tell my no i'm not even feeling i told my wife it's like i'm not going to touch a single mmo again until like freaking March of next year or until Cataclysm comes out or whatnot. And the more that I keep watching the Star Wars thing, it's like I don't want to watch the videos because I don't want to get too into it because then I'm going to end up buying it and say, like, great, you know, now I'm going to get into this MMO. And I'm really hoping that after the money is spent, it doesn't end up being, you know, a crap fest. But you're right. You know, I keep forgetting that everything Bioware touches is like, you know, they got the Midas touch, you know. So I'm very much hoping it works out. And we're going to actually get into a little bit of what Bioware does with Dragon Age Origins, but we'll talk about that after the breaking news. How about you take that away, Enrique? Sure. Um, breaking news today, we have quite a few things. Let me go down the list real quick here. First and foremost, um, there is a gaming convention going on right now in Russia. And it is the Igromir. I'm probably mispronouncing that horribly, but it's like the biggest Russian gaming convention. Blizzard is there with bells on. They're talking a lot about uh, StarCraft II specifically as well as Cataclysm. But in StarCraft II, uh, they have basically announced that its release date, at least to the investors of Activision Blizzard, uh, Mike Morheim was saying end of second quarter of 2010. So we're looking around like June, June, July-ish. So summer of next year is when we're looking at StarCraft II, and that puts the beta coming out in January, February. And then um, the lead developer, um, 
I think it's about Chris uh, Sigati is said that the beta will be coming out next year at the very beginning of next year. So we'll see beta very soon. And hopefully I'll have content for you guys because my, my key should work for StarCraft 2 beta. Uh, Modern Warfare 2 was actually dropped early by a couple of GameStops. They broke the street date, which is causing a little bit of stink between Infinity Ward and GameStop. But at this point, I'll be honest with you, fuck Infinity Ward because... I'm not excited about the game at all. I kind of was at first. I like the story of the first one. I like the story of this next one. But the fact that they are completely and utterly shitting all over PC gamers with this release, um, I, I pretty much washed my hands of it. That totally left such a horrible taste in my mouth. I don't want to have anything more to do with it. So, yeah, screw that. Next on the list, we have a new patch for Ion. Patch 1.5.1. Hooray. It addresses a bunch of shit nobody gives a fuck about. Not a single issue that anybody cares about, like botters or lag problems or constant crashing because of the freaking uh, the Crytek DLL you know, problem that they're having. All these issues that people are having problems with, not a single one was addressed in this patch. And once again, I'm saying that a great game was picked up by NCSoft, and NCSoft is just torpedoing the crap out of it it is circling the drain in the hands of this company just that's just my personal opinion i was very hyped up and excited so were a lot of people about ion and it has dropped so low on the sales charts list it is just kind of like totally puttered out mainly because of word of mouth because the people that did spend money and are playing it are just they realize ncsoft is doing little to nothing and they're well we'll talk more about that later so anyway <laughs> that's why i put in the show notes but we'll talk about that later, about it later. <laughs> right. curb um, that just, anger <laughs> i'm trying there's, there's there's a lot to go on there well let's move on we um, will get on to that later Okay, World of Warcraft news. Shaman Tier 10 armor finally got revealed today. And personally, the best Tier 10 looking armor thus far. Joe, you play a Shaman. I, I have a retired AD Shaman, um, but I haven't played WoW in kind of a bit, though. What do you think? Uh, shamans win Tier 10. That, I think that's, that's what I think. Yeah, I agree. The shoulder, ef the shoulder effect alone. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very, very cool stuff. I'm, I I was kind of thinking, I was writing a post even earlier today, man. They're not going to release it. What's with all the hype or whatever? I was going to talk about that, and then they ended up releasing it. So I'm very happy. The The wait was worth it. It's very good looking. Very good looking set there. Uh, Left 4 Dead 2 is hitting a kind of a press blitz. Valve did announce that they were spending something like $25 million on advertising for the game. And a lot of people thought, oh, well, that's just because they're putting the TV commercials and whatnot. And it, I don't know if anybody's seen it. The Left 4 Dead 2 TV commercials are on, on the air. But today, I'm dropping my daughter off at school and i look in the side of a miami-dade county metro public bus and it's got left for do left for dead 2 painted all over the side of the fucking bus and i'm thinking to myself holy crap there's a left for ted there's a left for dead zombie bus driving around my town that is the coolest thing i've ever seen at all because typically on the sides of these buses you see like local radio local tv all that stuff and now you've got you know, video games. And I'm really digging that. I'm kind of liking that video games are now becoming so openly accepted that, you know, you're at the bus stop. You'll see, you know, an ad for a video game. That's And you're seeing it more in, like, late night talk shows as well, like with the Jimmy Fallon and things like that, as well as other ones where they are inf interviewing now people in gaming. So it is becoming a lot more integrated into, I shouldn't say a lot more, I mean, but just more than it ever was, which is kind of cool. I agree. 
well, like before, I, I say before, like it was such a long time ago. Okay, maybe like three or four years ago when a video game was in the media or a video game was in the public eye at all, it was probably because that douchebag Jack Thompson was talking some shit about it or it was in some negative light. Oh, video games caused my child to go on a killing spree and to rape his dog or some horrible thing. Now, it's like, it's a video game, okay? It's just it's just another medium, just like a violent movie or even a non-violent movie, just like music. It's becoming very... You know, it's, it's just becoming not so much integrated, it's becoming more accepted by everybody, and that's a cool thing. That That's telling me that us as gamers are growing up and getting into those paces in office, getting into those into those parts of society where you can choose what gets shown, what doesn't get shown. I like that. Uh, last thing I wanted to mention, very last thing, um, was that Torchlight actually got a minor patch to fix a couple of bugs and such. Um, I'll give the link to Roger and he'll put it up on the website. But it's there's the list is way too long as for the little tiny things they fixed. A lot of people will not even notice anything was fixed because it happened on fr last Friday. So over the weekend, Steam auto updated a lot of clients that you downloaded from auto updated it for you. If you've downloaded it after last Friday, then you won't see a single change at all. But it was just a couple things where saved games were being overwritten and and other such problems. And the duping also, as well, actually. Yes. They yes. fixed the duping bug. So if you were cheating and duping items, you can't as soon as you update your client. Yeah. So the last final thing, I know I said that was the last thing, is um, November 17th market calendar. That is when Left 4 Dead 2 launches and Assassin's Creed 2 will launch at the exact same day. So I'm kind of thinking in my head, they're two very different games, but... I know that the player base is kind of shared between the two of them. I know people who like Left 4 Dead 2 will, will buy and will play Assassin's Creed 2. So I'm kind of wondering how the sales are going to look on that one. That's pretty much it for any breaking news. That being said, though, because of all the people that spent a good chunk of change on Borderlands, you got to wonder if people chose Borderlands before Left 4 Dead 2. Like, I love the Left 4 Dead series. Love the first one. I do want to get the second one, but I'm not in as much of a rush to buy two simply because I've got my first person shooter fix right now from Borderlands. Even though there's issues with some of it, I'm getting that fix from it and I still do enjoy it. We're going to get into our, our, our Borderlands discussion later. But so for me, it's more about I'm, I'm considering a lot more Assassin's Creed 2 than I am Left 4 Dead 2. Cool. I don't know. I, I haven't played Assassin's Creed 1. I kind of want to. I mean, I've over the shoulder, I've watched people playing it, and it seems like a great game. Assassin's Creed 2, I've been following, like, religiously. I'm very excited for that. I don't know. I will not buy it on day one. I will not buy Left 4 Dead 2 on day one, and I'm a fanatic for Left 4 Dead. I'm a fanatic for anything Valve. I mean, I'm, I'm still fiending, you know, praying to my shrine for Half-Life 2 Episode 3, so I can just get some freaking closure to that story. I don't know if you guys played, you know, the Half-Life games, but... Yep. It's an yes. amazing, amazing story, man. I want to see an ending. They end it with a freaking cliffhanger, like the worst cliffhanger, but whatever. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm, I'm dying. I'm dying to get a little bit of some... I want to get some Valve. I want Valve to enter in this fray right now. We've got all these other games coming out now in the fall, and I want to see what Valve does. Well, moving on from there, we can touch on the top 10 lists that were for the week of the uh, the 25th to the 31st, the downloaded uh, top 10 from direct, uh, Directed Drive. Number one, of course, was Borderlands. Same with Steam. Steam number one was Borderlands. And then with Directed Drive, you had your Dragon Age, 
they've got three different Dragon Ages out. You've got your regular, your deluxe, and then the deluxe with the uh, the Prima pre-order, the, the guide. And you've got, like, Dragon Age all over the damn place in these top tens. They're doing really, really well. It was nice to see Torchlight with a strong showing at number four in uh, on Direct Drive, as well as number three, actually, on Steam. Way to go, Runic Game, boys. That was fantastic to see. And also interesting to see was the fact that, as we've discussed... Ion is slipping. Ion's at number eight on Direct to Drive. And I mean, it's not that old. It shouldn't be that low on the list. And it's number 10 on Steam right now. That is not good. And you can almost bet that next month, we will not see it at least on one of these lists, maybe even both of them. I'm hearing, I'm hearing the death knells now. And that's, you know, it's a shame. It's sad because what could have possibly been a very, very good game, very strong competitor in the market. And do you know what? I'm like, the name Tabula Rasa is freaking echoing in my head for the blunders of NCSoft. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, that's probably where this is going to go if they don't do something soon. So we're going to get into the Ion critiques a little later on. We've all got things to say about that. Um, but again, the interesting one for me was the Dragon Age Origins. Now, I did pick it up, and Joe, you had it as well. How much have you played so far? I haven't gotten to sit down with it as much as I want to, um, but I've gotten a good a good maybe hour, hour and a half of just gameplay with nothing but just learning it. Dude, I, was, I spent that much just on the character creation. <laughs> Man. <laughs> to me, it was... It was the opposite. It was, I just want to get in there. I just want to get in there. I didn't even care about the character creation. I just went in just to see what the world was about. And uh, I'm impressed. I am ridiculously impressed. Same here. Uh, I was always a fan of the Baldur's Gate series and Neverwinter Nights. I played those games religiously. Yep. My Neverwinter Nights discs actually wound up getting burned out to the point where I've had to buy two sets of them at some point. Um, and to see such a strong showing in a game... Uh, from our boys at BioWare um, come out and it's starting to be hailed already as RPG of the decade. The world is immersive. It's beautiful. The combat system is great. You have a lot of control. I am thrilled so far with this. What I like too is that they managed to take different styles of games and blend them together so seamlessly and perfectly. I mean, you've got a really deep immersive rpg that puts you in the game your character is there when there are when you get in the quests you're looking at your character as part of the quest that is being acted out then they have this fantastic rts where you've got your team that you're assigning who's fighting who and then you've got this kind of tactics element there as well. And it's all done seamlessly. And in, again, in terms of your choices having consequences when you are going through the quest and it's giving you choices of what to do, that then has an impact on your storyline and where it's going to go from there. And, and that is really impressive that they're able to do this at the same time that this company is working on yet another massive game that will be released later. Um, and to know that they've been working on this and that they were able to push this out with such um, polish, really, I guess would be the word I'm looking for, is, is fantastic. I mean, and no matter what you, you play, if you play as a human, an alpha dwarf, rogue warrior, mage, noble commoner, whatever you do, the game will suck you in. 
It is fantastic. It requires you to use your intelligence, your wits, and your weapons. You can stop fights by picking the right option, or you know, sometimes you just get a quick quip in before you you know get your face eaten by a dark swan. So so far, pretty pretty oh, yeah. pretty damn solid. And I love that. Again, when I was going through the character creation and whatnot, depending on what race you pick. And just for anybody who might be listening who actually hasn't followed too much on it. So you're looking at human, elf, or dwarf. Depending on which race you pick, and then depending on which class that you pick, which you've got your um, warrior, mage, or rogue, then there's kind of subsets to those as you progress through um, your levels and whatnot. And the, the skills that you choose determine where you're going, where the story's going to go even. But depending on what you choose, that then determines part of your background as well and where it's going to go from there and what quest lines you're going to find. So I decided that for the first character, I wanted to try something a little bit more safe. Normally, like when I go back to it, I'm going to spend a lot more time playing a warrior more front lines kind of thing and then have my team that I position where I want. But for this one here, just to run through quickly, I was thinking, okay, I'll just pick a, a range class. So I'll take an elf and make it kind of a ranger class kind of thing. But then when you pick your, your elf, then you have the opportunity to choose whether you want it to be more of a noble type elf, or if you want it to be an elf that was, <sighs> Not to give spoilers, but I mean, it's in the character creation. It's not really a spoiler, but someone who was, you can almost say defiled like by humans kind of thing, because the elves are more t thought of as slaves in this game for humans as opposed to other games where they're much more noble. So you get to choose, okay, do I want to be this more noble uppity or do I want to be somebody who's out for revenge kind of thing? And from there it progresses and you get a much more rich story, which means that the replayability of this game is absolutely insane. If you like the style of the game, you like the playability, how it how it feels when you're playing it, then the lore can and, and if the world itself, that that world sucks you in and you enjoy it, you can have so many different stories within that world. It's amazing. And and that really intrigues me as well because any game out there that that is D and D based or or uh, tabletop based, you, you always hear about the hack and slash. But this game is beyond hack and slash. It's about politics, moral philosophy, and, and interaction between characters as much as it is killing dragons and demons. And you're right, the replayability of it is phenomenal. I can have my my gruff warrior go through and be a complete asshole to everybody I meet, and then I can play my, my witty mage that tries to be charismatic with every single person he meets and have a completely different experience between the two. And I can keep doing this and, and it's just it's so immersive. I'm so happy with what I've gotten to touch so far that I can already see myself losing sleep playing this game. Yeah. Well, I, I got a question for the two of you because I haven't played Dragon Age uh, yet, and everybody that I've spoken to, everybody that's left a comment on my site or anything at all, have been telling me to drop everything I'm doing and get this game. But my my big question for you guys is that yeah, it's I bar none from everything I've seen in the trailer videos and one, it's just it's an incredible game. Also with you know your testimonials, but I mean this is another single player game, and I'm kind of noticing that a lot of the multiplayer games that are coming out are just falling short, and now it's like there's a wave of these single player games that you don't necessarily do in an MMO or even a multiplayer kind of environment, and they are just amazing games. And it's been a while since I've seen that, so could an MMO ever deliver this? No. Star Wars. 
well okay yeah okay not as it stands now can it do it later quite potentially yeah star wars like he's saying has the potential to do exactly what this is doing but what you're saying about the single player campaign and stuff like that i think that we're fortunate to see more companies doing that now kind of like with the torchlight where you don't have to play online as it stands right now with the exception of borderlands I'm not playing any online games. They're local games, and I'm loving it. That's not to say that there's something inherently wrong with MMOs, but every once in a while, it's nice to unplug the asshole, you know, factor from games and just, you know, play yourself. I mean, you've got a problem if you yourself are an asshole, so you might have a problem there, Rick, but for other people, it's it's not that big a deal. And and that's a really good point too. I, I'm happy to see the the, the reemergence of the single player game. I guess you would say, because with the MMO boom uh, taking over for what the last I'd say what six years, seven years, really hardcore, um, like to start. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's been about that that length of time. I mean, we saw these fantastic games, and I'll, I'll go back to to Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights. Um, Neverwinter Nights did have a little online play, but we won't talk about that. But just the single player mm-hmm. content of these games was so in depth, and the storyline was was pretty solid. And you can go back and you can replay these games, and it take you hours and hours and hours to complete. And it was really well done. And then we moved over to this multiplayer online format um, that you had to have other people to play. You you had to interact with other people, and you had like Roger said, the asshole factor i mean how many times have one of us and audience included how many times you guys been in game and you go to to kill your quest mob and some asshole goes ahead and stomps it and you have to wait there for a respawn how many times are you sitting there you forget Mm -hmm. your pvp flagged on a pve server and next thing you know your ass is dead as you're just sitting there trying to farm herbs it's nice to unplug and it's nice to sit there and have a world that was and i hate to go all truman show on it but it feels like it was created just for me well you know i walk go ahead the thing too to keep in mind is are you playing a game so that you're using it as a, so- a social media outlet or are you playing a game because of the game? And if you're playing the game because of the game and because of the lore and because of the world that you're being immersed in, then it shouldn't matter whether it's online or not is my take on it. If you look at something like, and and I mean, Bethesda does this so beautifully. I mean, I was sucked into Morrowind so much it was unbelievable, as was my wife. We had a fantastic time playing different characters as well. I played several as she finished the game a couple of times when Oblivion came out, played the shit out of that game too, and absolutely loved it. Some of the quest lines in Oblivion were among the best I've ever had in gaming, period. They were that good. And then if you look at Fallout 3, well, I mean, it's it's hard to say anything bad about that game. So if you're playing the game because of the game and how much you love that world and you want to be immersed in that world, then that's a whole different aspect than using a game as a social media outlet, which is something like, wow, you can log in and spend literally all your time just talking to everybody else and not actually playing either, let alone what what Joe's saying about having to wait for different mobs and whatnot. You can play and, and not get to play. Exactly. That's a really good point, too, and I think that's... The the boon of the MMO also happened around the boon of social media, Facebook, Twitter, um, MySpace, uh, Friendster, all these all these other social networkings were seeing their their rise at the same time. So, 
you're right. There are people that play these games for the social aspect of it that will log in the game and do nothing but talk to their guild mates or friends or whatnot and use it as a way to, to interact. And there's, there's those of us that will, you know, sometimes do that and sometimes just want to sit down and really get into a game. So, and, and it, like I said, I'm happy to see that I have the option that I can do either or. So, so to answer your question, should you be buying um, Dragon Age Origins? If you're looking to immerse yourself in a very good RPG that is that is both unique and retro at the same time, they took retro concepts that they did so well in Baldur's Gate Neverwinter Nights and yet upgraded them enough to make them feel fresh, work very well. And again, suck you into that world so very well, then yeah, pick it up. It's it's better than anything I've played in a little while now in terms of doing all that and doing it very well. But if you're looking for something that is going to allow you to be playing online with others, then obviously mm-hmm. no. Well, you know, I think it's, I I agree and like what the general vibe of the whole game is, and yeah, you know, I'm probably will end up picking up at some point, but I just, I wanted to touch that what Joe said was, it really, really hit the nail on the head. I think that we were all playing single-player games with multiplayer, you know, MMOs basically being, you know, few and far between for a while, and then now we suddenly got this massive, you know, six and a half years span of where the only thing that people are playing at all that is dominating the hell out of just gaming in general across all genres is... MMOs and multiplayer games and what, and now that we're kind of getting back into, you know, we've had six years of dealing with those assholes that you were talking about, dealing with those freaking pricks that just ruined the experience for you, and now we, as gamers, just kind of want to just unplug for a while, unplug for a couple of months, and then, then we'll be ready to go back, and you know, it'll be back and forth. That's the cycle, I guess. Yeah, no, it is fantastic. I am enjoying it. Um, moving on from there to WoW because we've discussed it. Big news this week was the vanity pets that were made available for purchase for real dollars, folks. Ten dollars, real cash. You can buy yourself a mini pet. And there's too many pets that are available right now. You've got your Pandaren monk, who's damn cool looking. The animatic, the 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 uh, they put some animations out of it. It's fantastic. And then there's the the little KT as well. They do I, look. Oh, go ahead. He, I, I bought he it first. Well, we're, I'm not done yet. We're, we're going to get to that. Just I'm trying to lay the groundwork here so people know because we're going to discuss this. Um, oh, in that case, can I go first? If you'll let me finish, yes. <laughs> okay. They are $10 a piece. So you're paying 10 real dollars for a mini pet in-game. And the as it stands now, the Pandaren Monk, $5 from every purchase is being sent to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And it's going to be up until Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, the end of this year, correct? Correct. That is and correct. There's no word as to whether or not they're going to change the price afterwards or leave it at 10 However, considering the fact that little KT is $10 without any going to make a wish, it would stand to reason that they're going to remain at $10 for the mini pets. So let's have a little discussion about this, shall we? Rick, what's your take? I, I only have a very little bit to talk about this because for me, there is no convincing otherwise. I don't see anything wrong with this. I really do. I mean, it doesn't affect the gameplay at all. It doesn't affect your character. doesn't make your character better. doesn't make your character worse. Okay? It's not like a server transfer or a race change or any of that business that actually does affect the gameplay. This is simply just totally cosmetic in every sense of the word. It does not have any other effect. The fact that they're selling it for money... 
you know, they're bridging the gap between a freemium game where, you know, you play and then you have to pay extra, you know, for little little goodies here and there and, you know, a regular, you know, pay pay subscription game. The one thing that I've kind of noticed is that I, I don't know if, I don't know if Joe said it or even you said it, Roger, but somebody said it and I picked up on it earlier today was this is market research. Okay, this is Blizzard saying, okay, well, we're going to stop doing the Pandaren charity thing on December 31st. So then in January, we'll take a look at all the numbers and wow, look, 10 million people bought this. We just found a new way to print more money. Fuck it. It's not going to, you know, destroy the gameplay. It may cheapen the experience for some of us who have been playing in most for much longer. But that's that's a totally opinion-based thing. It's like that's very – that's ethics. That's a, a murky kind of place I'm not going to argue. But personally, I don't think it's that big a deal. Blizzard has said in the past, I mean, like, not even said in the past, they've shown us. I mean, come on. How many times have you transferred a character to a different server or done a name change or, or hell? You know, now Joe bought the, um, the, the vanity pets. And, you know, when I start playing WoW, I'm probably going to buy the damn vanity pets because I like the Pandaren thing. It's just another reason for Blizzard to add something else that people will do. They noticed that Facebook stuff like Farmville and whatever, man, people are spending money on this. So it's like, okay, well, we have a fan base we can make money with this and everybody wins a couple of you know hardcore gamers with sticks up their ass are going to be throwing a big fit about it because it's natural to be envious and jealous and if you see somebody else making money and you're not doing shit well you know what are you gonna do so whatever if they start like sammy said if they start charging for content if they start charging for like downloadable patches and shit, then we got a problem because they're gonna charge us fifty bucks for an expansion plus fifty bucks for the original game, and now if patch three point three, I gotta you know give them fifteen dollars for it, then we got a big problem. I'm Joe. done now. You can continue. Okay. Uh, first of all, a point of of rage over this when Twitter and Facebook and every website imaginable was all a flutter with rage over the fact that Blizzard was offering in-game mini pets for real life cash. So people started throwing around the word microtransaction. Well, for all of those that were saying this is a microtransaction to turn it into a microtransaction game, look up the word. Look up what it means and look up what games actually do use it. You want to talk about games that do use it? Start looking at Dungeons and Dragons Online, which is a freemium game now. You want to level your character past level six? Oh, got to buy something or run a really ridiculously hard dungeon. Oh, you want to get a special piece of armor? Oh, here you go. Here, pay for it. Blizzard's not doing that. What they're doing is they're offering people like me who um, I have spent countless dollars on the card game. Yes, I play the card game, but I have spent countless dollars on the card game. I have my card game turtle mount. I have my picnic basket. I have all sorts of goodies from the card game, and I can guarantee you I've spent a whole lot more money than $10 to get a fucking pet. So you know what? If I have the money and I want to spend $10 on a pet, I'm going to go ahead and do it. It does not, like you, Rick said, it does not break the game. It does not make my character hit harder. It doesn't make me heal better. It doesn't make me tank better. It doesn't make me get premium content that nobody else can see unless I have the money to spend for it. It's, hey, I'm doing well. I like this stuff. It's pretty. I want it. It's fun. I'm going to get it. I'm happy with my purchases. I spent my $20 and I got my, my KT and I got my Pandaren Monk. Pandaren Monk is a bit of a fanboy thing for me, and this was for many other gamers. How many? How long have we been waiting for Pandarens to be put in the game since Warcraft 3? We saw Five World years. of Warcraft. Yeah, and we've wanted it. And when the, the expansion list was leaked, or, or supposedly leaked years ago when Vanilla Wild was first released, one of the races that they said that we were going to have at some point was Pandarens, which started this whole big buzz. You know what? I, I, I'm i okay with it. My Pandera, when I bow at it, it bows. When I do slash drink, it pops on the floor and starts chugging booze. 
And I'm okay with this because it's fun. It's funny. It's a little extra cookie for me in my game. It doesn't break anything. So why I don't understand why people are raging about it. It's fun. If you have the $10, you can buy one if you want. You don't have to buy it. You're not forced to buy it. It's not like somebody's saying that you have to spend $35 to go ahead and transfer servers or change your race or change your sex or whatever the case is in the game. These are just options. They're putting more things in the game that players can do. Okay, ah, but you, you know what? You, you said it. You said it right then and there. You go, you know what? You can do it, but you got to spend the money for it. And these are people that I want it. I want it, but I don't want to spend money for it. Give it to me. Bingo. Bingo. It's like I want to have the Pandora thing because I am a fanboy, but, you know, I don't want to piss my money away on that. Well, you're at a fucking impasse, buddy. Sorry. And, and that's exactly it. I mean, if, if I want to change my character's race, yeah, I'm going to have to pay cash for it. It's a pain in the ass to get a to get a system set up to make it do that. If I want to change the gender of my character, it's a pain in the ass to, to get a system to do that. So we're, we are paying for them to, to make this possible, and I'm okay with that. So as, as it stands, I'm very pleased with these pets. I hope to see more of them. I wouldn't even mind if they start selling in-game mounts with it because, again, it doesn't break the game. As long as they're not 310 speed, then we'll have a whole riot going on. But I can see this being very, very lucrative for them and seeing gamers have a whole lot more options tabards mounts banners all sorts of little in-game tiny little shiny shit that will all oh enjoy. man I, I was laughing i was laughing with with misty i was laughing with my wife a second ago before we started the whole podcast thing because i was telling her about this whole thing talking about the show beforehand and i was telling her man you know what if this proves to be very successful could you imagine the mountain dew game fuel tabard you know, or if you right-click on it, it summons a Mountain Dew for your character to drink, and it's like, is that really where Blizzard's going to go? I don't know if it'll get that extreme, but, you know, that that's where I'm kind of worried as far as these transactions going on. Not anywhere near the rage of these, you know, fucking imbeciles on, on Twitter and their blogs and whatnot and the forums. God, the forums. I, I think that Blizzard will walk the line very well. <laughs> all right. Do what I do get to say no? Do I? Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I've, I've only been waiting a few fucking minutes. That's all. Okay. Now, everybody, when you're talking about now, just to clarify, I don't have a problem with them introducing microtransactions. And just to be very clear here, these are microtransactions. Don't say that they're not simply because they're not required in the game. They are microtransactions. That's exactly what they are. Same as an outfit in Lil Big Planet is not necessary, but you can pay $10 or you can pay a couple of dollars and get an outfit for your sack boy. They are microtransactions. However, at $10 for a mini pet, that is not a microtransaction. That is one fucking hell load of mag big ass giant transaction. It's not it to me what bothers me about it is not the effect that it has in the game. That that makes me laugh. Anybody that complains saying that this is a slippery slope and who knows, it could lead to outfits where you can buy your tiered outfits and everything else, that's a joke. And even if it went to that, whatever, I could give a rat's ass about that. To me, that doesn't matter. To me, what matters is how you treat your player base. And to me, charging your players who are already giving you a lot of money let's be safe very clear here blizzard is not hurting for money okay now does that mean that i expect these things for free no of course not that's not what i'm saying at all and anybody who is going to use the argument of 
The only people bitching about this are those who can't afford it makes me laugh because I can afford it, all right? And I'm bitching about it. I'm not bitching because of some of the things that they're saying where they're saying it, it's a slippery slope, like I just said, that not at all. Or people that are just saying, I want it for free. That's not what I'm saying. I can afford the $10. Like, hell, I could buy one for every fucking tune if I wanted to. And it wouldn't matter. My point is, is that to me, it's an insult to the people who are already giving you a lot of money for to be able to play your game. To me, that's a slap in the face to your player base. $10 for a mini pet? And again, you can use the the, the argument of, well, it didn't code itself. Somebody had to code it. It had to be done and put in. Sure, sure it did. But it sure as shit did not cost that much to make. They're going to be making a small fortune from this. I mean, let's be very honest here. This is going to bring them a lot of money. So this is not a, oh, Blizzard is doing a damn nice thing for us. Look at that. They're going to allow us to buy some shit online. And we can buy pets. We can buy tabards later on. We can buy some mounts. It's really cool. It's a nice service to the users. No, it's not a service it's them reaching into your pocket taking your money that you were going to use to feed your kids or whatever it's it's not it is really a slap in the face to the the people who are already supporting your game and giving you a lot of money per month to be able to play that game that's the problem i have with this it's not that i can't afford it and it insults me when people say the only people who are pissed about this are those who can't afford it that's not it at all, and that's putting a very small-minded opinion of those that have an issue with it. My issue is that this is an insult from Blizzard charging that much for something that they're going to, because of that, make such a huge fucking profit from this. That's an insult to the people who are supporting your game. I think and you I, and I... Oh, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree simply because I don't think it's a slap in the face because it's a choice. It's something you can do. If I go out and buy two packs of cards, that's $8.50. I'm not going to get shit besides the cards in there. And if I'm in a place where I buy the cards and my friends all of a sudden move away and they stop playing it, those things become useless. If I spend $10 and get a mini pet and I log in the game, as long as I play the game, guess what? It's there. Okay, and that's fine. It's not a slap in the face to the to the people, and I don't think it's just the people that can't afford it that are bitching. Everybody's going to bitch about it. There's going to be people from all walks of life that bitch about it. I'm sure there's pandas somewhere bitching about it. I, I mean, that, that's not the point. Everybody's going to have something to complain about no matter what you do. You can say the sky's blue and somebody's going to yell at you and tell you it's pink. But the point is, is it, it's a choice. It's something you can do if you choose to do. Okay, and but yeah. your argument about the cards isn't valid either simply because the the fact is, is that because it is that difficult to be able to get the cards, it makes it that much w more worthwhile when you get it, and they are worth more. This is not going to be a rare pet by any means. Oh. This is going to be quite common because people are going to buy it. So to me, that doesn't that doesn't hold water. I, and I, and I don't. Uh, you know what? We're gonna we're, we're gonna be raging about this for a long time. Let's leave it at we disagree. I think it's fine. You don't like it. I think we should move on. <laughs> but again, and it's not rage, really. It's so much as Blizzard has done enough things with WoW, and they do overcharge for everything. When you're looking at all the different things that they allow you to do, from a simple rename to the, the gender change, the class change, or not the class change, but the, the, the race change, the server changes, they are charging an arm and a leg for all of that. It's not about them no longer introducing services for their people that that 
yes, this is a, a something we're introducing to help you guys out so you enjoy our game more. It's about making a fuck ton of money off of us, which, yeah. yes, they are a business. I can appreciate I that. I can, but, but there's a role. point, there's a line, there's a line where you are gouging your audience. And that's a problem that I have with any kind of business where if I feel I'm being gouged by said business, I choose not to support it anymore. And that's the point where Blizzard is getting to with me. When you're charging $10 for a mini pet, that begins to feel like you're gouging. That's the issue that I have. And this is why I don't I don't get involved in business ethics kind of arguments. I said my piece, but because you both you make very good points, you know, because it really is getting to poor gouging. Personally, I feel that the amount of money that you would have to spend if you want it, let's be honest here, the amount of money I would have to spend when I start playing WoW again, when Cataclysm comes out of one so I can bring my characters over, do whatever faction change I need to do, get my main all set up back and up and running and whatnot, would be astronomical. And I still have to pay 10 bucks to get these little pets. You know, if they drop the price by even 45% for some of the other services, I don't care if they're charging me 10 bucks for the pet. It's totally optional. But if they did not, okay, Roger, I'm pretty sure would not have that big of a problem if it wasn't somewhere around $200 total to do the other services that Blizzard offers. So, I mean, like, you got to ask yourself, they're making money hand over fist when it comes to these transactions and the fact that they've lowered the cooldowns on all of them so significantly to the point where you can do a server transfer every like three days or so some people out there who are just flipping back and forth and back and forth because you know they're ocd or some shit you know i mean there's a lot of money being exchanged right now i think that they can stand to lose a couple of bucks and and, it and they wouldn't, wouldn't be losing a couple of bucks yeah, the thing they, too. they could losing. still make a profit it, to me it is it boils down to good business sense where you actually respect the people who are supporting your business again we can we can agree to disagree that's all well and good but that's just my point my point is that it, there's a point where in any business that you can either gouge your audience, your, your your supporters, or you can give them different things that expand their experience with your product. There's the and it's a fine line. I won't argue that. However, in my opinion, ten dollars is they didn't dance upon a fine line. They pole vaulted over the fucking thing. Is what it boils down to. You know, it's it's just what Sammy said though. It's one of those things where it's counters the blizzard strategy. And you know what? How much of this do you guys think before we we kind of got to move on so we don't keep arguing? But how much of this do you think is Activision? How much do you think is how much of this do you think is Bobby Kotick versus traditional Blizzard? The Blizzard we grew up with, where oh that, we that Blizzard is long gone. Mail. That yeah, Blizzard like, is long we, we gone. We would be getting that pet in the mail, buddy. We'd be getting it for free. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Not anymore. I don't think so. I think the Blizzard that we knew from a long time ago is long gone. I think that what's happened is that that Blizzard got a taste of real money. And, you know, it changed. Like, Ghostcrawler got used to his yacht that he mentions. There's The people at Blizzard got used to making money, and it changes, not just Activision. Okay, and I then, think. Well, go on. I'm sorry. 
I was gonna say, and that that's a risk anywhere. Anywhere you take somebody who went from you know loving what they're doing and doing it for next to nothing, and then becoming a giant, you're always gonna have that that risk of something like that happening. I mean, that's unfortunately just the way it is. Um, I don't think it's right that people get a little taste of money and want more. But you're right. I mean, how much of it is after they merged with Activision? Yes, they've always wanted to make money. Yes, they got a taste of it. But I don't think it would be nearly as bad. I don't think the services would have cost nearly as much. As it would, I think they would still cost, but I don't think they would cost nearly as much. All right, let's move on from that anyways. We're going to touch on some borderlands now. So basically, if you're listening to the podcast recorded, then I'm going to be putting chapter markers so that you can skip over this segment if you would like, because there will be spoilers very obvious spoilers if you're listening in the live audience you may want to turn the sound off and periodically check in the chat room to see if we're done talking about it it's just because the game is so new that if we're going to be talking about really obvious spoilers i don't want to spoil things for people who are still haven't gotten to that point yet if it was a couple weeks later i wouldn't really be given such a a word of warning so again, hit skip if you want to, if you don't want to hear it, or mute your sound in the live audience because we're going to start now. We've all been playing Borderlands and we've all finished the main campaign. For those who mm-hmm. aren't aware, you go through the main campaign. There's a lot of little side quests, but if you stick to the main campaign, it actually doesn't take you too, too long to get through it all and to finish it. Once you finish it, you tend to be mid-30s, and at that point you could do a second playthrough in a harder mode, very Diablo-esque kind of thing now the thing is here (laughs) when we talked about borderlands last episode we could not stop raving about it and i want to make it very clear that i stand by all of that i stand by all of the opinions that we said in terms of how good it is and i'm going to how much it's fun to play and all of the things they did right it's 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 actually very very good the campaign quest had me playing the campaign i went through it like i i went played for hours on saturday just so that i could finally finish it because i was having so much fun with it i thought that the campaign leading up to the end was well handled the the like i mean again I was not expecting epic RPG nature endings at all because I knew what I had. It's, a, it's still a first-person shooter that they tossed in some RPG. So I, it's not like I was expecting that much. It was very, very good. I was having fun following it. I liked some of it was a little cliche kind of... They didn't take any risk with some of the quests where you got to, you know, go activate three computers so that this one works. Just very simple kind of stuff. But I was still having fun with it. I liked the whole alien thing at the end as well, where you're fighting several different mobs that are also fighting against each other and things like that. I really was having fun with it. My, I was doing this on my hunter. He was fairly... He was he's fairly strong character in terms of his spec and all that, although he was still using literally a level 13 epic gun rifle as his main sniper weapon, but it was doing a great job. But I found it a little bit more challenging because of that when I was going up against the much harder mobs later on, but it was still I was having fun. It's the last <laughs> boss that you get to fight at the end. Now, yeah, whole sigh. It's worth a sigh. It's worth more than a sigh. The last fight, again, this is a big spoiler here, but the last fight, 
not to spoil the whole reasons for it or what happens, but you're literally fighting one mob. So picture fighting Diablo at the end when you get to the end. All right. Now picture it, it looks like picture Diablo <laughs> if he didn't move. If he basically threw some arms on the side once in a while, which really didn't do anything, had a little kind of breath thing that he sprayed out, tossed you ammo just for the hell of it, because, I mean, why not? You're running out of ammo. I want to make this as easy as possible for you. Here's some more ammo. Take more. That's not enough. Here's more ammo. You're not going to run out of ammo. You bastard. You're going to kill me. And then you just basically kind of stand there and shoot the fucker in the mouth. That's the ending of Borderlands, folks. As epic as that may sound, it's not at all. I mean, really, that's it. And I mean, I I don't want to lie here when you're getting, at least for me, I really got into the game. I allowed myself to get sucked into it, again, knowing that I'm not going to expect something huge or anything at the end, but more than this. But, I mean, I was getting into it, and then I'm I'm thinking, okay, well, this is getting cooler and cooler. Little guardian angel chick is, like, going all off on me about, you're so close, you're the one, you can do this, you can do it. I'm going, yes, angel chick, I can. And then I'm going off, and I'm fighting all these guys, and I'm going, fuck, this is getting pretty cool. And then you got that cool zones coming up, and I'm like, look at all the alien artifact, artwork, shit, and all that. And I was like, oh, there's aliens flying around me. All of a sudden, it's not just on the ground. All right, let's have fun with this shit. And it keep going and keep going. And then you got to use your, your grenades more. And I'm using old bleed, go suck him, blood wing, get him. And it's like all this shit. And I'm having a lot more fun. And it's, it's really getting me in. And then you get to the end. And it's just like this huge freaking blob. It's like a hairball that Diablo might have had that, had that he spit out. That's just mouth opens. Shoot, 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 shoot. Mouth closes. Wait. Mouth opens. Shoot, 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 shoot. And you just unload clips into this goddamn guy's hitting his tonsils. And then he dies. And he doesn't drop any goddamn loot either. There's no good loot. There's like, he drops money because apparently aliens from all the goddamn dimensions carry dollar bills. It's all about the dollar bills, folks. Here, have mine. And I mean, there's no good loot. And there's and it's not just about the loot, like, but it is there's nothing and and you can't you can't lose this fight you'll just again you run out of ammo you poor darling here have some ammo you know your gun breakdown here here let me hand you something better like it it was so much of a letdown it was unbelievable you, you know what the biggest part was man was what you were saying right there the lead up the battle the freaking gauntlet that you have to run where you have the Crimson Lance, like fully armored dudes on one side constantly attacking you and the aliens, and the aliens are attacking them and you. It's this big epic event. When you get to the final thing, like you said it was a hairball. It looks like a giant tentacle rape monster, okay? <laughs> and whenever it opens its mouth, everything that you hit into its mouth is a crit, so you oh, yeah. doing like a thousand damage every time that you hit it. But what what pissed me off was like, all right, whatever, I decline. I think what pissed me off, where's the vault? There is none. That's the point. That's the whole point. It's the archway. It's an archway. And then the the tentacle rape monster comes out of the archway thingy and he's all like, I want, it's like fucking Yogg-Saron on acid, you know, and it's just there. I kill it and then it drops a couple of greens and then it says, go back to Tannis for money. I'm like, where's the vault? Where's the vault? Space guardian angel who turns out to be, get this, turns out to be a fucking claptrap satellite in space is the guardian angel from the Hyperion company, which is one of the gun companies in the game. 
and then that's it. Game over. That's it. That that's the very end. It's uh, yeah. I did not expect an in-depth story, but I went through hell and high water to get this game. Couldn't find a copy. My Steam wouldn't let me download it. Eventually had to get my friend to give me a copy and, you know, so I could actually go ahead and, and play it. Got it on a Thursday, beat it on Friday. Now, I did go at it really, really hard. My friend and I, we, we went through the entire game front to back. And like you said, I got sucked in. I'm hearing all these fantastic things from from Roger and Sammy and everybody that's playing, oh, this game is awesome, the artwork's awesome, the game's awesome, oh, there's all these little like, little things, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, this is really cool, and this huge fucking lead up, and I'm sitting there, and, and, and at one point in time, my computer crashed, I blue screened, I blue screened because I had the NVIDIA driver error, so what did I do? Oh, God, I went ahead, spent six fucking hours on my computer getting everything back like backed up as I could and reformat everything just so I could finish the fucking game and then I'm going through and I get this this really nice SMG and I'm playing as my siren and and I'm going through and I'm having a blast and I get to the last boss and I sit there and I unload four fucking clips into the eye four four not no worries about Renata ammo no nothing all of a sudden it falls over games fucking over and I'm staring at a goddamn Star Trek movie where Voyager plays God fuck that shit I was so upset I wanted I, I was expecting a challenging fight I wasn't expecting a huge cinematic story I wasn't expecting you know bells and whistles and, and hookers and and fireworks or anything like that I was expecting oh my god I'm gonna get <laughs> I was. To see the fuck I'm gonna get to see the fucking vault I'm gonna walk in and the game's gonna end I'm gonna be really happy after a really epic fucking fight you know, you said it's like fighting Diablo that stands in place. No, fighting Diablo that stands in place would have been more fucking challenging than that shit. I'm sorry. I stood in one place. No tentacles ever came fucking near me. It did no damage to me whatsoever, and it fucking died. Now, I am playing on playthrough two, and I hope the fucking shit, the thing actually tries to kill me this time. Because I'm sitting there, and I'm staring at it, and I'm just like, I'm going to breathe on you, and you're going to die. Four fucking clips from an SMG, and it dies. I was kind of wondering where the loot was. Did, did you notice that there was... I didn't, I didn't even care about the fucking loot. I was like, really? Really? I don't give a fuck about the loot. Just give me something other than a goddamn satellite and a boss that can be fucking killed in 30 seconds. Well, you, you know what's going to happen now, right? Do you want to know what's going to happen? Downloadable, downloadable content. Downloadable content. Downloadable content. That, See, that's, that's what's going to happen now. That's the way of the future now. As mad as I was at the ending, when I was talking to people about it that are playing right now, they just haven't gotten to that point. I didn't spoil it and say this is what happens, but I just said it's very, very disappointing. So what you want to do is it's one of those enjoy the journey, not the destination type of games. I still maintain that I love the game. I love the style of it. I love the game play. I do like the loot aspect. I like the character that I'm playing as well, a hunter. And I am going to try uh, a Lilith as well. The thing is, is that knowing now what the ending is, I'm not in a rush to finish it. I'm going to do all of the little side quests. I'm going to just mess around like if I was playing, again, a first-person shooter where just bounce around and have some fun with a buddy of mine kind of thing. But it's not going to be about I need to finish this game because I'm enjoying the campaign and I want to finish it. Not by any means at all. I'm going to enjoy everything leading up, knowing full well that the end fight is an absolute joke. 
and I'm still having fun with multiplayer. I still like logging in and hooking up with my friends from work and going through and shooting shit. It is enjoyable. Shooting back beers, talking on vent, and murdering mass amounts of shit. It's always fun in that regard. But you're right. I'm just I'm not in a rush to get to the end of playthrough two. What level are you guys on your playthrough too? Because ultimately, that's the only aspect of this game that I have not really truly explored was the multiplayer aspect of the game. Like, I just, there was so much crap in getting your ports forwarded and all that other business that it's like, okay, well, you know, what's going to happen now? I can't literally play with Roger. I played with Roger that one day, I think, for like 45 minutes, and that's the most multiplayer I've experienced. I try getting into a public game, and it usually times out. So I don't really understand how that's working, but. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping actually, that the next I time I play through. I actually haven't played that much of the um, the playthrough, too, because I still have some side quests to do on the first playthrough. So I'm going back and doing those. So, yeah, we can do the second playthrough any time kind of thing. But, no, it's, cool. it, it is something where it's going to be more about playing the game to have fun with the game, not about getting to the end. Because, yeah, the ending was terrible. There's no other way to yeah. say it. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous, terrible they they fucked up and i'm again i'm i am still gonna buy the downloadable content because i'm thinking that again because it's about the experience of playing the game the little side things it'll be fun i'm just not looking to add it in terms of them having any kind of epic endings to anything now knowing this like i said i just wanted a challenge at the end and if the downloadable content of zombie island gives me a challenge at the last fight i don't care about anything else i just want a challenge i want to feel like i worked for the defeat of the boss and if they do that i'll be fine and i'll we- be i'll be happier <laughs> <laughs> well it's it, just to put the put the final word is in, into borderland um the downloadable content now i think it was sammy he tweeted i mean you're gonna there's gonna be a delay so he's not gonna reply right away but maybe you guys followed up on it um they said the downloadable content is supposed to be due like on the 24th of this month for the consoles and it is undetermined when it's coming out for the pc this reeks of what infinity ward is doing where it's like a lot of these game companies are just saying well you know the pc gamers are the second class citizens because it's easier to code for and we can make more money off of using like xbox live and the playstation network and so on and so forth you know i actually heard that it's coming out at the same time for pc as for ps3 i could be wrong but i thought it was coming out at the Hmm. same time that that's what i heard as well i don't know i I clicked on sammy's link and it said that uh uh, apparently yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so, man. Just, that's the first I heard of it. I didn't hear what you guys said, so I'm kind of hoping that we don't end up with one of those situations, you know. So we already had to wait. It came out the 20th on consoles, and it came out like the 26th on PC. So I really and the PC version, obviously the multiplayer is, you know, foobard. So I'm kind of wondering. I'm, I'm nervous about it. After, after Ion, Aeon, whatever the hell's freaking let down, I'm very, very. And we're gonna take you know. a break right there because when we come back, mm-hmm. we're gonna touch on some Ion right before Joe has to go on his raid. So we're gonna take a couple of minute breaks, folks. I'm gonna switch the, um, cool. the recording to the part two, and then we're gonna go from there. So we got like two minutes. Fill your drinks. Go pee. You must use the. You must use the force. 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 You must
far, far away, long time ago, far, far away. Kiss a Wookiee, kick a toy, fly the Falcon through an asteroid, till the princess is annoyed. This is spaceships, it's monsters, it's Star Wars, we love it, come and help me, Obi-Wan. X-Wing fighter and the blaster gun, dance with Ewoks, so what fun. This is spaceships, it's monsters, it's Star Wars, we love it. Get in there, you big furry oaf. I couldn't care less what you smell. I take orders from only me. Maybe you'd like it back in yourself, your highness, your worshipfulness, your highness, your worshipfulness. No one cares if you upset a droid. Cares if you That's upset because a droids don't tear your arms out of socket. Nobody cares. That's just a new strategy. Let the Wookiee win. That's because nobody cares if you upset a droid. Gonna go to Tashi Station for power converters. Now I guess I'm going nowhere. It just isn't fair. You don't know anything about women. Kiss your brother, kiss your brother, kiss your brother. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Luke, I'm your father. It is useless to resist. Come with me, my son. We will rule. Suit your feelings, it is true. So you have a twin sister who Obi-Wan was wise to hide. If you will not turn, then perhaps she will give in to your hate. You are mine. Far, 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 far away. Long, long, long time ago. Far, far, far away. Kiss a Wookiee. Kiss a Wookiee. Kick a toy. Fly the Falcon. Fly the Falcon. Fly the we're back and we're going to touch on Ion. This is fairly important. Now, I know for a fact <laughs> that NZSoft really does not care that much about listening to their community. They say they do. However, the fact is that they don't. Let's be very honest here. However, 
if anyone from NCSoft is actually listening, or if someone knows someone who works at NCSoft and eventually tells them, you may want to listen to them. NCSoft, listen, pay attention. You've got three guys here who are quite obviously serious gamers, all right? You've got three guys who were prepared to give you their money every month for a good, fun game. We were willing to give you some allowances for problems at start off and everything else. There was a lot of bitching, but we still kept giving you money after the clusterfuck of a lunch launch that you had. And yet, right now as it stands, all three of us have canceled our accounts with you. So, Enrique, I'll let you go first because you actually wrote up a fairly decent post about this on your site. Go ahead. Okay. Um, there's a lot of speculation, actually, with a lot of people that follow my my personal crap, you know, my site and stuff. And um, it's just a lot of people are saying, you know, why have I quit? And it's a twofold answer. I mean, sometimes it's half its time, which is my own personal crap, but the other half, is, which is the bigger half, is the game itself. I mean, you have a game that had the potential to be very, very, very good. And it's not so much... I don't think it's NCSoft is not listening. I think that NCSoft is just not acting. And when they do act, they're acting in the wrong way. They're acting with the wrong philosophy. NCSoft, from everything they have done and every change that they have put into the game, what it has showed me is that their way to solve the problems that people are having with the game is either to, A, avoid it entirely, there's been no support whatsoever for the crashes with the with the drivers and the cry engine and whatnot. And that whole problem, if you have a high-end computer that's supposed to handle really, really good graphics, that ends up being a cripple and ends up breaking the game for you every single time. That has not been addressed. It has not even been fucking mentioned more than maybe once, and that was like two or three weeks ago. Okay? Second issue is the botters. The way they solved the spam of of bots was they put a filter in when that didn't work. They made it so that, or the other way around, sorry, they made it so that you cannot even chat in the game until level 10. So when you log on, it is a ghost town. You don't fucking see any other players because everybody's in a different channel, and you don't hear any other players asking for anything. So that right there is very, very disheartening if you start playing the game off from scratch. Then there's the whole botting problem. They've made it so that the game is just so inconvenient, just so completely inconvenient for a player to play in attempts to stopping a bot. In this latest patch, what I mentioned even in the breaking news earlier today, that this is something that I was kind of, I've been following for a while. In the Korean servers, it's been around for a bit in their little PTR. You, you guys are, are familiar with what a CAPTCHA is. A CAPTCHA is whenever you go into a website or whatnot, if you have to submit some information to make sure, like when you're registering for a forum, it'll give you this little box with a bunch of little letters and numbers and crap all jumbled up so that if you're a human being and you see it, you can type that in and verify that you're not a bot. They're putting that into the game now, but they're putting it in the most fucking pointless place. Bots are not spam farming for materials. They're running around in a circle. They bind to a specific waypoint. They kill whatever mob spawns there, and they rinse and repeat. They don't even loot the fucking mobs. They just do this to get experience. Some of the bots do loot. They just hang out there and loot everything the one mob kills. It's just, it's kind of ridiculous how it works. NCSoft just... Like, they see a problem where there's a leak, so they decide that you're just going to, like, build a brand new dam instead of just fixing the fucking leak. It still doesn't solve the problem. It's just, I, I don't get what the hell NCSoft is doing. The game is already very grind-heavy. They've been saying, oh, we're going to make EXP come out more. That hasn't happened at all. I mean, and that's that's just... 
the game forces grouping, and yet they make grouping such a royal pain in the ass. They make gathering punish the player. Like, I took WoW for granted, not saying that one is better than the other, in that with WoW, if I'm going to fucking gather an herb, guess what? I'm going to get that goddamn herb. If I'm not high enough level to gather it, well, tough shit for me. With Ion, hey, I'm high enough level to get that herb. Guess what? I'm going to have a chance to fail all the time. Even if it's a much lower level herb than me, I have the chance to fail at it. And I have. I have been 20 levels above, and I have gotten a failure on fucking gathering. And I've been 20 levels above the requirement. With crafting, same thing. It's just a lot of money spent, you know, in-game money. It's a lot of time spent, and it's just, it's ridiculous. The amount of time sinks that they implement into the game is, is fucking pointless. It was cute and entertaining, and it was very robust at first. I thought, man, this is not a problem. But then as you level up higher, it scales. It just, it becomes harder and harder as you level. They require you to spend more and more and more time the higher up in the game you get. So I don't understand what they want for progression. And then people are saying, oh, at level 50, it'll be balanced. In the abyss, it'll be balanced. It's not. It, it fucking is totally not balanced. It never will be balanced. I don't get what the hell the problem is with these people. They can't seem to take examples from every other successful story out there. Even like uh, like what um, uh, Breblo is saying in the in the chat, mana stones. Do you know what it is to spend something like 500,000 Kina buying mana stones, which you socket into your gear to enhance your gear, and then when the fourth one, the final one, happens to fail it because fails. it randomly fucking fails? No, no, it doesn't just fail, Roger. It fails and it deletes everything All you the put other on ones, fucking Dude, thing. I had that yeah. happen too. Trust me, I right. had it happen, and it drove me bananas. Okay, explain to me, though, from a common sense, let alone game development, but from common sense, how the fuck does that make sense? I'm making pancakes. I make 30 pancakes. The 31st one I fucking drop on the floor so my 30 pancakes suddenly just explode. You know, I mean, what the hell, man? That makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> okay, no, Mr. Mom. Yeah, points a on game. a pancake analogy. That just seriously. wins the night. Yeah, that's... Seriously, no. Like... Michael Keaton rage, you win. Yep. Wow, that was <laughs> most impressive. Dude, I, I don't fucking get it. You make the biggest selling point. Hey, guys, we're better than other MMOs because you can fly and fight at the same time. Guess what? You only get 60 seconds to fly. The lag bumps that down to 45 seconds to fly. And then when you're in the air, mobs can knock you down. And it takes you about, oh, the entire flight time just to get to the fucking gathering node. And guess what? When you're gathering it, you have a chance to fail. And now you have a chance to fail. You have to solve a capture freaking hurdle. And you're still running on in your flight time. Why? This is fucking ridiculous. Let, let's actually touch quickly on that because that's one of my things that I have a problem with too is the flying. Now they gave us a game where they were saying you will not need a mount. You have wings. You can fly. And yet how many zones can you actually fly in without hitting that invisible wall? They're they're everywhere. You, you can't fly in most of the zones. Yes, you can coast down kind of thing and glide. But even that's only a little here and there. Most of the time, you're running in this game. And when you're going to the major cities, you're running all over the place. I don't want to run. I want to fly. I don't know. What got to me, man, have you noticed that the fly paths... I mean, yeah, there are certain areas in the actual zone, little sub-zones that you can't fly in. But that flight serves no purpose at all. You don't get access to different mobs when you're flying or to different areas when you're flying. No, you, the only reason you can fly in those areas is if you want to run away from a mob faster for one or two, if you want to level up your aether gathering, okay? Flight is only useful personally in the abyss. And even then, 
only to get from point A to point B. Because if you try flying in combat, guess what? You're going to get your ass handed to you by every ranger and every sorcerer and fuck, even every spirit master that there is. It's just, if you're a melee class, don't even fucking bother. Because you're going to have to wait on the ground for them to get to you. Otherwise, they're just going to kite you around until your flight timer runs out. And nothing is more frustrating than losing your flight time, falling into oblivion, and spawning somewhere that is 10,000 Kina away as far as teleport costs to get back to the abyss. It's just, it's ridiculous. The flight points and teleports are, are, are well done as far as location. I want to see more flight points around. However, what sucks is that they scale as you level. At level 10, you spend like 100 Kina flying somewhere, right? Imagine imagine in WoW, for people who are listening with WoW, if you were level 10 in Westfall and you spend, I don't know, one silver to fly to Stormwind. When you were level 80, that price inflated and scaled because you were level 80 and suddenly it cost you 10 gold to fly from fucking Westfall to Stormwind and you didn't have a mount. Like, that, that right there is the perfect side-by-side comparison to how it, would be, how it is in Ion. That, that makes no sense to me at all. Why does it have to scale so fucking much? It's, there's too many money sinks in the game that the, that the developers put in for us. And then all it's doing is fostering the sell of gold. Ask freaking, um, I, I had a buddy of mine. Uh, his name is Brian. He still plays on. He, he cancels account today because I canceled my account. He, I'm the reason he started playing it. He's, he's level 22. He has a million Kina. He went to go online just to look it out. It's, you know, a million Kina costs $6.00. For a million fucking Kina, no wonder you go into the auction house and everything there is like five million fucking Kina because people are just buying gold left and right. It's very, very easy. They're buying this money. You know, I the people at NCSoft want to stop the botters. First off, you got to take away the environment that just fosters the shit out of, you know, botting. That's what Ion does. Okay, Joe, you're going to have to go to your raid soon. How about you give us I your got, two cents? I, I, I got about 15 minutes, so right, we're great. good. Okay, good. Well, now's your shot Here's- anyways. Here's, here's my two cents on it. Disappointment, and it really is disappointment. I had such high hopes for this game. And yes, it was hyped, and it was talked about, and everybody's like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be a great alternative to WoW. This is going to be a great thing. Everybody's going to have it as a second game. And I got into it. When I first loaded up the game, I was really excited. You know, I loaded it up, and I'm going into this new world, and I'm watching the intro cinematics and the story. And it was cool and it was up at first it was great I, I rolled myself my priest my cleric and i started going around and then little things started annoying me little tiny things respawn rates um the fact that i couldn't fly in certain areas the flying timer as well i died six times on the fucking find the goddamn shell quest because i wasn't watching my flight timer i was watching for the goddamn shell uh and if anybody's done the the elios quests you know the first big quest stuff that's one of the first quests you get and even and i'm hearing from later on even with all the flight enhancements with the the special plus three wings and and all the different things you can buy to boost your flight it's not enough and it was a huge selling point about this game you know the fact that i could have like essentially mounted combat that i can fly and fight that i can in my case fly and heal i it just it wasn't there and then i started hitting this brick wall of just not being able to bring myself to move between cities because I lived I had to run and if I didn't have a flight path I had to run even if I had to have a flight if I had the flight path half the time my quest was in between the two flight paths so I'd still have to run to go get it and then I'd have to run out after fighting gobs and gobs and gobs of mobs 
all the while just dying. And and yes, I didn't die quite as often as some other people, but I did die, and it was kind of shitty because it wasn't I wasn't feeling like I was getting anywhere in the game, and. I wasn't having fun, and that was the big thing for me. I just stopped having fun. There was no excitement to it. And yes, all the the spam bots and and everything else, those were annoying. Those were fucking annoying. You know, at least in WoW, I could right-click a name and report spammer. I couldn't really do that here. I didn't have a whole lot of options on how to deal with it. And the game was very grindy. There were large sections where moving between certain, certain paths that... All I'm doing is killing mobs because I don't have a particular quest yet. Um, and, and like somebody in the chat room saying, aggro was also another issue. There are some mobs that I could be right up on their ass. I, I could probably be humping the goddamn thing and aggro would, there would be no aggro. And there's some that I just look at it funny and it and three of its buddies comes running to eat my face. It just, the game stopped being fun and it was all these little tiny things. And maybe it's because it was a game designed with a, a more Eastern world in mind where people will grind out millions and millions of kina because they can or, or thousands of, of experience points every five minutes for whatever the case is for, for leveling. But that's not me. That's not us. And I mean, and it just, it became a chore rather than a game. Like I felt anxiety when I went to go log into the game because it's like, wow, I'm going to have to do all this shit just to get anywhere. So and I, you know, that's when I canceled. You you nailed it right on the head. Earlier you said something, and I think you kind of said it subconsciously. You, just, you were talking about you kept dying, and I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. That's what it is with Ion. That's the one thing I tr- – that's when I made that realization was when I canceled. I was like, you know what? I don't I don't want a handout. I don't want an easy game. I don't want freebies. I don't want somebody to hold my hand and wipe my ass for me. What I want is to feel that after I put in 5 hours that I made some kind of fucking progress. But if you make billions of kina and then you go to the auction house and everything costs 10 times more than the mass amount of money you made you don't feel like you accomplished anything if you bust your ass leveling up and leveling up and getting all this experience and then you die and you lose so much of it and then you have to spend money to get it back you kind of feel like you didn't accomplish anything and it's like i don't I don't understand that. I, I'm used to making little goals for myself. You know, you make little, you know, milestones that you reach and hell, I made it cool. This this makes me want to keep playing the game because I got a new armor set or because I got a new mount or because I got a new whatever the fuck I got. There isn't any of that. There's no there's no breadcrumbs. There's no, you know, no dangling of the carrot in front of you to keep doing ion. It's just here. Grind until you get to 25, go to the abyss, and then grind in the abyss until you get to 50. And once you get to 50, then you can do the instances that are all on like 24-hour lockouts. And those instances really are nothing but grinding in those instances with a group of people. And then you'll have a boss fight that has a couple of minor mechanics to it. But then you have repeatable quests that you can do a thousand times, and they require you to do the exact same robotic functions. There's so many bots in Ion because a robot is best suited to playing this game. And with that, I honestly don't think we could end it better. I don't honestly, we've we're both of the the, the same opinion with uh, all of the problems that we're finding in the game. I have not actually played for several weeks now, not because like I was having. There's again, there's aspects of the game that are very good. We can agree to that. There are certain aspects of the game that are very good, and if they could build on those aspects the game would win and it would be fun. However, there are so many other things that are absolutely terrible that it takes the fun away from playing. And I haven't played for weeks simply because, again, like we've said time and time again, 
so much time in a day, gonna play what's fun, this ain't it. So if I have a choice of playing Torchlight and having an absolute blast and getting fantastic loot or playing Borderlands and freaking shooting faces off, I'm going to do that before before Ion. And if I have a choice between Dragon Age Origins or Ion, pff, it's not even <laughs> worth talking about. I'm in complete agreement. When there's so many good games, why are we going to bash our head against a game that we're just not having fun with? So no. we're gonna, we're going to leave it at that. Yeah. We do have. Just, uh, well, well I, I, we're not going to leave it. Enrique has got one more thing to say. <laughs> Look, I, I'm not going to. This isn't so much about Ion in general. This is just in. We've been talking about this for the past like three shows. Is what is happening this fall? Like you guys are saying. This is my last word on it. Then I'll let you. We'll, we'll close it out or whatnot. But there's a lot of very good games coming out. There's a lot of very strong IPs with Star Trek and Star Wars and Cataclysm. All this shit is coming out when you're the NCSoft should have known. The only thing fucking people are playing is World of Warcraft. Let's just be honest with each other here. We're all adults. Let's just come on. Let's stop the bullshit. The only thing people are playing is WoW. Okay. They did not advertise to be a WoW killer, but they should have known. Any idiot knows that almost 100% of your player base is going to be coming from the WoW burnouts. People who are tired of WoW, maybe a little bit bored of WoW, they want to try something new, try something different, and then you give them that, that does not even compare. It's, it's just bad business because if you know that your primary customer base is going to be a certain kind of demographic – you play the fuck out to make sure that demographic is happy. They did the complete opposite. And that right there is why Ion is going to probably go down the shitter. And it's sad because I'm, I'm like, I was even type, I was even saying in the chat, I'm so angry and like so generally animated, not because I'm, I'm so, you know, outraged and, and whatnot about the game. No, it's because I was really looking forward to this. I was really, really looking forward to it. And then when I got my hands on, it, I'm like, hey, this is great. And then literally two days later, it's like, wow, this is, this is it. That's it? Well, well, fuck. There goes two collector's editions down the toilet. There goes all the fucking, you know, plans that I had for it down the toilet. It's just, it felt like a real letdown. Just fuck it, you know? Yeah. No. Again, there, there's not much more to say. It, I, it's going to take a lot of fixing for them to do before I would even consider coming back. And in all honesty, I'm seeing this as a very big money sink that I just lost quite a bit of money on that I'm probably never going to touch the game, which is too bad because it had potential. I really wanted it to work. The things that I was enjoying about it, I really enjoyed a lot. And now, sadly, I'm not going to get to play it. Part 2 where the souls go. There wasn't much distinction between day and night in Asmodee. The gleam over the horizon was typically dull and meek during the day, while the reflections from Elysia bathed the land in secondhand sunlight. Night was calmer in some regards, dark, blue, and cold. Zam stood in his living room swaying back and forth, fully clad in his finest custom-crafted armor, with a nearly empty bottle of wine clutched in his hand. The memories of a thousand battles, and of his one true loss were not silenced by the sweet liqueur, and so he rationalized through murky thoughts that he'd best be armed and ready for their onslaught. The sudden bang on his front door sent Zam spinning as he whirled around to face the sound. His world seemed to hang a moment as a delay kicked in and whipped him to the ground. Kintaroon burst into the door and charged toward his friend. Bloody hell, Zam, are you... have you been drinking? 
Zam could barely comprehend his own thoughts, let alone the words of his compatriot. What, Kintarun? What the hell do you want? Kintarun's face went white, a much more drained pallor than was natural for Asmodians. It's your girl, Zam. I heard a legionnaire talking outside the plaza. He mentioned two sisters who were taken by a surprise Helios raid on the outskirts of Premium Fortress in the Abyss. The descriptions matched perfectly. Aracios sat beside her sister in a low bunker. There were no other prisoners in the pen and the Helios didn't bother to watch their captives. The twins had been poisoned with some sort of paralytic agent that denied them the strength to even expose their wings, let alone fly to safety. That is, of course, if the guards didn't cut them down before. Our Elise had called to her sister for aid while temporarily stationed at Premium Fortress, the main foothold of the Asmodians in the Abyss. Our Elise had begun having dreams, nightmares really, where her mother was calling to her and trying to drag her down into the void. Aracia looked up from the muck and gazed at the massive burning star. The gargantuan ball of fire seemed so close and yet was so very far away, its heat and light strangely warped by this world in between worlds. They knew not what fate awaited them, only that the drug was beginning to intensify and they could no longer even speak. Zam had risen from the ground and quietly reached under his mattress to retrieve a long, sturdy object wrapped in many different furs and skins. His face was granite. Nothing, not even the words of Kintrun, were penetrating into his mind. Zam's thoughts raced along, now completely purging the drunken haze from his body. Acid was being pumped through his veins, and raw hatred pushed worry and fear down past his gut, deeper into himself where it would not become a distraction. Recollections of his time in the Abyss fighting the Ilio swarmed through his eyes. He quickly unwrapped the long adamantium sword, a masterwork of craftsmanship, a gift from Lord Asphel himself. It had been imbued with a darkness rivaling the skies of Asmodee themselves, bathed in the blood of a dragon lord and tempered in the very bowels of Atreya. He gripped the handle tightly, feeling the cold, hard metal of the hilt pressed against his skin. The leather-wrapped handle creaked a bit as he tightened and loosened his grip on the blade. Zam felt crisp air fill his lungs and slowly seep out through his nostrils, his heart pounding slow and sure and so loud that his body trembled with every earth-shattering beat. All but bowling over Kintarun, Zam pressed through the city of Pandemonium until he was standing face to face with the city's teleport magus. The young Deva almost voided himself when Zam spoke. Altguard. Not needing a second's more persuasion, the magus opened a hasty portal directly to the regional fortress of Altguard and didn't dare to ask for the fee. Zam opened his eyes a few seconds after passing through the swirling oculus and took in the cool blue-green light of a familiar abyss gate. Every major fortress was built around these gates, direct lines to and from the abyss, and all of them leading to premium fortress, all of them leading Zam to his daughters. Without hesitation or even an introduction to the startled guards, he opened his wings to their full span, Dark crimson feathers and jagged spikes of bone wrapped in taut muscle propelled him into the air and through the gate. Aresia's ears perked up at the sound of great commotion. Something had set the Ilios into a sort of panic. It had not fully spread through the ranks, but there was definitely something amiss as her captors readied their arms and moved with great purpose to the front of the makeshift prison camp. The etheric field was still fully operational and there were no guardian deities about, so an all-out fortress siege was out of the question. She turned to scan the sky and saw no Balor vessels raining death upon the area. A slight whimper of relief escaped her lips. Arlise had noticed a change as well and mustered strength to whisper to her sister. What's going on? This place had been a second home to Zam before. 
He had defended and assaulted the Fortress of Seal many times in years long past. It was a pivotal location that typically exchanged hands between Asmodian, Ilios, and Balor alike. Whoever happened to have more troops at the time typically won the day. That was, of course, with the exception of the Balor and their hateful Dredgian war machine. The fortress must have recently been occupied by the Ilios as there was only a skeleton crew of guards and no reinforcements yet sent in from Sanctum. Zam's eyes were set hard, focused entirely on the main fortress gates. The guards had all gathered on the walls and parapets and were beginning to laugh and mock this one-man army. One young ranger knocked an arrow and fired at Zam's head. He deftly shifted to the left and caught the arrow with his bare hand, rage burning so strong that the wooden shaft ignited and was reduced to ash and ember in the blink of an eye. The laughter died down and a few Ilios soldiers dropped to the ground below ready to dispatch this nuisance. A sorcerer's fingers crackled with energy and Aether as flames licked at the cuffs of her gloves when suddenly Zam appeared inches from her face. She could feel his breath on her cheek as his gaze bored into her mind, spreading panic and completely paralyzing fear. His speed was unprecedented. The armor, the shield, even the long curved blade of darkness did nothing to slow his fury. He took the sorcerer's hand in his own, and after years of working in a forge felt nothing but pleasure as he crushed every bone with a single squeeze. The flames of her spell evaporated into the air, and she let out a wail of agony. Just as quickly as she let out the shriek, it was cut short by Zam's blade as it pierced beneath her chin and cleaved her skull in two. Zam did not fight with honor that night. He fought with terror and anarchy as his weapons. He sowed fear into the hearts of the Ilios. He was frozen over by magical ice and corrosive acid. His wings shattered the frozen veil and dug his clawed feet into the chest of another spellcaster. Arrows rained down upon him from above. He cut nearly all with his shield and flew up to meet the arrogant ranger. A quick thrust with his shield and the fletchings of so many arrows were jutting out the back of another Ilios's broken and bloodied skull. He leapt down on a gladiator who had raised his spear and pierced through Zam's shoulder. Zam pulled down hard on the shaft and dragged himself to the terrified Ilios who let out a scream as Zam dove his blade into the soft exposed flesh until the sword's guard was lodged under his chin. He reached over with his free hand and grabbed the dying Ilios by the upper jaw, wrenching the head free from its body. Zam's vision was red. He was dismantling the Ilios force one by one, but suffering blow after blow, undeterred, and yet by the end, his movements had slowed ever so slightly. The blood loss was getting to him, as well as fatigue from so much poison and elemental bombardment on his aching muscles. He took one Ilios by the wing and ripped it clean from his back all but punching through his spine as the fair-skinned young Deva fell to the ground, choking on his own fluids as they poured out into his throat. It was a symphony of mutilated bodies and screaming pain. The air was thick with hate, and the ground was painted in gore. Everything outside the fortress walls was still, but Zam made sure to leave a single Elios alive, a young girl that resembled his own Aresia. Child, never forget what you saw here today. Keep your sense long enough to let those bitches of your ilk know what transpired tonight. Know that you're right in calling us Asmodians beasts and savages, and know what a beast will do to your weak, sun-bleached flesh when you steal our young. The young cleric soiled herself as he spoke and sat in a corner, shaking uncontrollably, unable to retch any more, and completely helpless. All the while, Aresia and Aurelise trembled in their cage, wondering what grisly end awaited them when the screams stopped and the front gate opened.
This review of EVE Online is brought to you in care of Vicrolacious, a member of the White Rabbits Corporation, a real-life friend of mine, and an avid player of EVE Online. My name is Joe, and I am from For the Lord. EVE takes place in a cluster of stars far from mankind's original habitat, planet Earth. How far away, and whether or not the cradle of civilization still exists is a mystery. Humans arrived through a natural wormhole, and, gazing upon an alien sky they had never seen, were completely unable to determine where this new world was located. From the New Eden solar system, where the gates of Eve once led to the old world, humans expanded in all directions at a furious pace, exploring and colonizing rapidly. Then, unexpectedly and seemingly unprovoked, the Eve gate collapsed in an apocalyptic catastrophe of a scale never before witnessed by the human race, ruining the New Eden system in the process. Thousands of small colonies were left in complete isolation to fend for themselves, cut off from the old world. For millennia they endured, clinging to the brink of extinction, and only a handful managed to survive. Of those that lasted, five were to rise up and become the major empires that, between them, hold the balance of power in the world of Eve today. They are known as the MR Empire, the Galant Federation, the Keldari State, the Mimitar Republic, in the Jovian Empire. Additionally, the world is full of several small, independent factions and states. For more than a century, the five empires have lived together in relative peace. They've continually strived to maintain this peace, as each faction realizes only too well the grave consequences of a massive interstellar war. Recent technological breakthroughs in FTL travel, and the ensuing increase in space travelers, have shaken but not broken the fragile peace. At least, not yet. What is Eve? Eve is a sandbox in just about every sense of the word. You do what you want. Industrialist, market trader, drug lord, pirate. Be a member or a leader of a vast empire in space you control, or just stay in empire-controlled space and run missions for the NPC corporations. No one holds your hand, so there is no set path. There is no such thing as safe space, only safer space. The higher the security level of the system you're in, the safer you are. High sec space is from 0 0.5 to 1.0. Then there is low security space, which is 0.1 to 0.4, and finally, null sec, or 0.0. .0. All of 0.1 to 1.0 is controlled by NPC empires, whether it be the four major playable races or Concord, the non-playable police force. 0.5 to 1.0 is protected by faction police and Concord that doesn't make it safe. Much like the real world, people still break the law. It's not uncommon to see someone's attempt to destroy someone else's ship while they're both in high security. If this act is unprovoked, Concord will come to the location and take care of the issue. The aggressor's ship is destroyed nearly instantly and they take a security status hit. If the attacker gets away from Concord, which shouldn't be possible, it's considered an exploit. Sanctioned high security combat comes from a few things. First of which is when you've had war declared against you, or war decked. When at war, you can be fired upon or can initiate fire on someone in any portion of space, providing both parties are from the opposing corporations. 
If you have kill rights or someone has kill rights on you, you can result in sanctioned combat in high security space. Kill rights come from one party taking the loot off the wreck of a ship that someone else has destroyed. Or, if at any point in time, another party has destroyed your ship, you have several days to return the favor. Kill orders for taking the loot off a wreck ship is only about 15 minutes worth. You have 15 minutes to enact your revenge. Low security, point 1 to point 4, is another story. There are no NPC guards to protect you. Your only defense in most cases is being smart and making sure your ship is fit correctly. Low security is said to be more dangerous than Nullsack, and it's where all the people that want to cause trouble go. You can be attacked or can attack at any time in low security. You'll take a hit to your security status for an unprovoked attack, and enough of those can actually lower your status enough to where entering high security space may actually be dangerous for you. There are good things about low security though. For instance, there is better ore in the asteroid belts, and it gets better the lower the security level of the system is. Those belts also have NPC pirates that appear, and the pirate bounties get better the deeper you go into low security. Killing those NPC pirates will also help your security status. You can also anchor in POS, or player-owned structures, in low security. You can do this in high security as well, but there are several modules that can only be anchored and brought online in low security and a null set. Most high security POS are research labs, private production facilities, or mining drop-off points. Again, this is a sandbox. Nullsec space, for the most part, is up for grabs and can be controlled by alliances. There are fewer regions that are operated by the NPC corpse, but that doesn't make them safe. Now, in a lot of cases, Nullsec space is actually safer than Mosec space. The reason being is that large and small alliances control vast portions of Nullsec space. If you're in the alliance that holds the portion of space that you reside in, it's for the most part pretty safe. Alliances do whatever they can with the tools that the CCP gives them to make their home safe. The current system for controlling space though is being wiped out when the latest expansion comes out, Dominion, and the new system is being put in place. CCP is trying to make it harder, or at least more expensive, for alliances to hold huge amounts of space. They're trying to make it easier for the smaller, more casual groups to get their foot in the Nullsec door, so to speak. Don't really have any more details on this, as what they've provided so far is that it's still subject to change. The mechanics of the game. Skills. There are no levels that a player needs to get up to. Only skills. CCP didn't put any levels in here because they didn't want to make players grind up to a certain level to use them. Or use items. If you want to use something, you just learn the skills for it, which are trained in real time. Certain skills require other skills first, or prerequisites, but as long as you have the money and the skills, you can obtain any item in the game. Now, with the skills being trained in real time, you don't actually have to be online to learn things. You can set the skill to learn, or add a few to the queue, and those skills will train whether you're online or not. Every skill has a rank and level. The higher the rank, the longer it will take to learn. There are five levels to every skill with each level given a bonus in one way or another. Certain ships get a bonus per level of that ship's skill, so if you get a bonus on a battleship per level of that battleship's skill, and the higher the level, the better the bonus. Certain items work the same way as well. The higher the level, the better the bonus. In other cases, skill bonuses affect an entire group of items, 
or maybe something that causes all of your ships to have better shields and the like. There is a set of learning skills, and advanced learning skills. They help with your attributes, charisma, intelligence, memory, perception, and willpower. You can also get implants for each of those, and they range from plus one to point, plus five attribute dancers. Skills use a primary and secondary attribute to calculate the length of time it takes to train something. Higher perception and willpower allows a pilot to learn spaceship command and missile skills faster, for example. Items. Any item can be obtained by any player, but only if they can afford it. There are no raids or dungeons, but there are complexes that can be run to obtain faction. Faction loot, I suppose, would be equivalent to WoW's raid loot. It's the best there is. Tech 1 is named loot. Tech 2 is faction loot. Tech 1 items, which have the highest level of item there, are, there was when the game was launched, now has four tiers of items, for the most part. There is a Tech 1 item, and then there are those that are several versions which have actual names on them, and can be as good or just below Tech 2 items. This works out great for people that haven't trained enough skills yet to use Tech 2 items. Tech 1 items are player-made and NPC drops. Named items drop from, well, as you would guess, NPCs. Other players, or, at this point, can be bought on the market. Tech 2 items are superior to their Tech 1 counterparts with better stats, but in many cases have higher fitting requirements. Tech 2 items do not drop from NPC ships, but can drop from a player that is destroyed, but are built by players. Faction items can be obtained several ways. First off, NPCs drop them in complexes. You can also purchase them from the faction with loyalty points if you have them with the faction, though not all items can be obtained this way. If you can't run the complex in Alliance-controlled space, or don't have the LPs, you can also buy the items from other players through the contract system, but then it gets into real pricey ranges there. You start getting a lot of your money siphoned off when people start selling the stuff. Any item that is owned by one player can be traded or sold to another player. The only restriction is whether or not the accepting player has the skill to use the item or pilot the ship, but they can still take possession of said item. These items can also be obtained when you destroy another player's ship. The ship leaves a wreck, and in that wreck you may find loot. That loot consists of what the opposing player had fitted to his or her ship. The old saying is applicable here. To the victor goes the spoils. You want a ship? You learn to fly it, and you get the money, or ISK, and buy it. You also need the support skills to fit that ship correctly. You want to fly a battleship? You need to do a few levels of frigate and cruiser to get there. But at that point, you probably can't arm it or fit it, so you need those skills too. But as long as you can afford them, just buy the skills and train them. Problem solved. Races. There are four playable races. The Kaldari, Galanti, Amar, and the Mimitar. There is also a fifth race, the Jove, that were meant to be playable, but were never included. Each playable race has three bloodlines, and the two sexes, of course, to choose from. The game launched with two each, but added a third prior to the launch in China. Bloodlines only impact a few things, looks and basic attributes. Each race has a racial spaceship command skill, frigate, cruiser, battleship, industrial, freight, Dreadnought, Carrier, and Titan. 
For more information about each race, please visit the EVE Online website, which is www.eveonline.com forward slash races. A link to each race is there, and you can see what skills and what abilities each one has to offer. Classes. There are no classes. This goes back to the null handholding. The only classes you need to worry about are ship classes, and even then, you can use any ship for just about anything. Sure, certain ships get bonuses for certain tasks or modules, but that doesn't mean you can't fit other parts to them. Destroyers are commonly used to salvage boats. They have eight high slots, which means four tractor beams and four salvagers. And they have ample room in the cargo hold, with a few mods to make it bigger. This wasn't their design purpose, but this is what EVE is. Do what you want. The last bit, servers or shards. There are no actual shards for EVE. When I logged in to check my mail before typing this up, there were 45,000 people logged in, and they're all on Tranquility, the global server for EVE. There are a few other servers, but only other live server, and that's in China. CCP built a server in China when they launched there, but that was due to the Chinese restrictions on the internet and internet gaming, and because they weren't 100% certain that TQ could handle that type of influx at the time. There are two test servers as well, Singularity, which is a live test server the players have access to, and where content is pushed out prior to launch, and Multiplicity, which is the internal test server that players do not have access to. There are also expansions. Expansions for EVE are free. CCP usually drops to a year. In essence, they're all content patches, but they're usually major enough that you can refer to them as expansions. Anybody who's tried the game knows that these content patches are really large and really in-depth. So as players that play WoW look forward to an expansion every year or two, two times a year people that play EVE Online can look forward to getting downloadable content and will expand their game. The game itself is incredibly fun, and if you're a fan of the science fiction or high science fiction, you'll fit right in. You don't get out of your ship at all, but your ship is essentially your avatar dock with other ships and stations, do your fits and retros, and go with it. Do what you want to do. The UI for the game is actually very customizable. Every window that you have can be moved around and placed where you want it easy sight. The game is pretty steep when you first get into it, but after about 10-15 minutes of playing around and after getting your handle on what your ship does itself, the game becomes a whole lot more easy and a whole lot more fun. As somebody who's tried the game and has played it for a little while myself, I like it. I think it has room for improvement, but when it comes to spaceship combat, there's nothing else that beats it. There's nothing quite like seeing your ship circle another ship and go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Well, and hopefully you win. If not, eh, your body gets to, you know, be picked clean, so to speak. It's a fun game. And if you like the idea of a game that takes place after the fall of humanity, essentially, flings us to the far reaches of the galaxy, and says, well, let's see what you can do. It's for you. You don't want restrictions? You want to just build an entire empire? Go ahead. My friend once built a ship that was primarily a mining ship. Well, it looked like a mining ship, at least, and he did mine with it. But when somebody did try to jump him, he blew him out of the sky. He liked to refer to it as his mining vessel with teeth. And that's what EVE does. It lets you do whatever you want. It's a very rewarding game. I give it a big thumbs up. 
and I highly suggest that if you like sci-fi, you give it a shot. There is a 10-day free trial at EveOnline.com. They want an estimated time on start. How about now? Oh my god, are we broadcasting? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh shit, we're broadcasting. <laughs> I need more booze. <laughs> oh my god, seriously? Yeah, no, suck it up. <laughs> and as everybody has said, really, why the hell are you talking about snow? Well, because it's a pre-show, we can talk about whatever the hell we want. Deal with it. I'm just licking salt off my lips here from the margarita. <laughs> uh huh. Off the margarita, right? Say margarita again. Margarita. Margarita. Okay. Wow. Maybe you have had a few margaritas. <laughs> two. Two in a big glass. <laughs> I got a Canadian trying to do a Latin accent. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> You're mocking my accent. That's not cool. Yes, I speak Spanish. Okay, but you don't talk to me like I should know. It's not like you've ever <laughs> spoken in Spanish. How the hell would I know? God, are you fucking menstruating? Settle down, Jesus. <laughs> oh, that, just, that didn't take long? Wow, I love you guys. <laughs> it's gonna be a good night. You guys are gonna make, this is the show you guys are gonna make me quit. I just guarantee it. That's all it takes? Dude, no. Christ, we could have done this in episode two. You're gonna quit, you're gonna storm off, you're gonna have this little hissy, but oh, you, you guys are gonna leave, and then like the next, can I come back, please? Freaking prima donna. <laughs> oh, Drama was... queen oh. in the queen. Okay. I stress the queen part. All right. <sighs> Mr. Mom. <laughs> Did you really just call him Mr. Mom? <laughs> oh, Jesus, he's calling, calling me Mr. Mom like all day long. Twice, that's the second time. Second, shut the hell up. Miss okay, so you've called me Mr. Princess. Mom twice, though, you know? Yes, deal with it. Okay. That's what you are. Have you even seen the show? Do you even know what I'm talking about, Mr. Keaton? Yes, I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, hold on a second. Why are you and me arguing? We're like the Latinos on the show. We're the minority here. We got to deal with that white guy. No, no, I'm not arguing. I just spread it around. I can't just pick on Roger all the time. You know what? That's that's what you are. You're like an enabler. You know, you, you don't you don't start the arguments. You just progress. It's you like don't. if I'm if I'm ganging up on him, then you'll gang up on me. If he's ganging up on me, then then you team up with me against him. It, that's not cool, man. You need to I pick a side. I maintain that if it wasn't for me, if it wasn't for me, the outtakes wouldn't be nearly as interesting. Thank you. You were gone too long, man. <laughs> You left us to our own devices. What do you think was going to happen? thought he'd drop his trouser and start pleasing himself. Okay, I'm going to check the sound and then we'll be good to go. <laughs> That's alright, I was having a sip anyways when you said that. <laughs> Is that what that was? Yeah, it's a lot of salt in my beard. It's the drink that keeps on drinking. <sighs> Joe, I am repressing. I am... Oh my... Too easy, too easy. You're repressing? What are you repressing? Except for those bad memories with your mom. Oh. <laughs> You're a bad man. Oh. <laughs>
<laughs> How dare you make me relive hell? <laughs> the cigarette burns on my scrotum. They weren't funny and they don't go oh, away. Oh, <laughs> stop. Stop. <laughs> Christ, you fucking deviant. What's the matter with you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Let me lick the salt off my tongue first. Is this going to the outtakes? God, I hope so, because I want to rip it on Audacity and use it for some of my videos. <laughs> you just use it as your ringtone. <laughs> yeah. Also, you hear like, mm, licking the sound off my tongue. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> you can ask Misty. I've been playing Torchlight like fucking religiously. I play that shit because I can pause it. Oh, I yeah. can pause it and get up and go do stuff. And I, that actually feels really good. Like, I've, I've gotten a lot accomplished around this house. I mean, we just finished moving. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I have a pause he, button. Now he can pee not in a bottle, but in the actual <laughs> toilet. No, so it, was, it was like my wife comes over and she's like, hey, I got groceries. I'm like, I'm on it. And I pause the game and I go do the groceries before. It's like, hold on a sec. Let me get to a safe spot where I'm not going to get killed. And then I'll go help you out. 15 minutes later, I, I, I get up and she's like, I'm fucking done with the groceries. Thanks for your help. Shit.